Words on Whiskey is proudly brought to you by Irish Whiskey Magazine. Good evening, everybody. You're all very welcome to a very special milestone for Words on Whiskey. So thank you for taking the time to join us and join in what it, for us is a, a celebration anyway. We've hit a, a minor milestone of 50 episodes. Okay, so as I said, welcome to episode 50 of Words on Whiskey, a uh, uh, Quite a milestone for us. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us. And we're delighted to be streaming this live also to the fabulous event that's been happening online through Belfast Whiskey Week. So for all those listening on that platform, you're all very welcome. And hopefully we'll see you again on our platform before long. And to celebrate the occasion, I've got two good friends that have been uh, very good to, to the show and been very good to the magazine and uh, we'll talk about what they're going to offer. So look, thank you for supporting us through the last 50 episodes. We're looking forward to the next 50 Touchwood, all going well. Uh, we know it's been a, a difficult time for everybody and so hopefully this has brought some level of entertainment and information to you over that period. Of course, this is brought to you by Irish Whiskey Magazine, and if you can support the magazine, we'd really appreciate that, or if you even can follow us on YouTube uh, and subscribe to our channel, that would be fantastic. We've had the pleasure in the magazine of hosting, for me, one of the most interesting series in the magazine, which is the Seven Sip series, and that Seven Sip series is very much the brainchild of our, our next guest, Fiona O'Connor whose research into historic mash bills, the history of Irish whiskey, is really second, second to none, and really respect what he has done for the industry. And some of you may have had a taste of, of what that is. So look, let's uh, get straight into it and bring in Fionn. And we're also going to bring in someone who has collaborated with Fionn in bringing three interesting samples now to, to discuss that are relevant in historic mash bills. So David from Radham on the state to Silvery. Bring them both in. Fiona, David, good evening. Good evening. Curveball, you know. Ah, five. Warming up, warming up. David, have you any voices there on you? You probably got spirit, I'm sure you have. Get off the dinner. Yeah. Look, you're you're very welcome, and thank you both very much for for agreeing to come on. I I'm really excited about what is coming up, and from from two perspectives, the work that Fiona has done in terms of researching the historic mash bills and coming up with you know a whole sensory exploration and research around that, I think that's fantastic, fantastic for the industry uh, and Irish whiskey as a whole. And David, what you're doing now over in Radman. I've been up there, it's a fantastic distillery set on a beautiful estate, and what you've done has been uh, really fantastic. I've tried some of the new makes, and I know you did something on Sunday, so who's going to kick it off? Who will we kick it off? We'll kick it off with you, and uh, we'll start talking about maybe what, how this brainchild uh, came about for Seven Zips. Yeah, I know this one's been a long way from the works, hopefully that we used to do these in pubs. As you see, I'm still in the pub. You know, <laughs> never left. Um, but we, we were doing pub by pub, sip by sip, going through, through the history from Aquavita, Oscar Bow, etc. 
um, up to uh, where we are now, which is industrial grain whiskey, urban Belfast, height of Belfast industrial prowess in, in its least sung about industry, which, you know, it was a big, and, and I never thought we'd be able to do this one. Because who the hell has a small columnist though? You know, the um it was one thing to faff about with farmyard whiskey and, and all the fun things we've done. But the idea that someone would be able to make grain whiskey as it was 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 unheard of. And and it wasn't the same, you know, sex appeal that there was with, with you know, potful of putching or, or any of this stuff, you know, um and then I was talking to David and I, I believe David has a connection to the area around Conswater and you know we, we, we got into a conversation about what was left of the distillery, the space, that history and this is the brainchild of, of that conversation just anything, you know um, and I, I've mostly spoken to David in the past about his hospital but you know this is a really offbeat project but yeah it was, you know and a part of the thesis that doesn't get a lot of the look in has been about the history of Irish Collingsville descendants. This is still a master, you know, and that, and yep. that stuff is so odd. And uh, has, 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 has gone really, the parts of stuff was lost. The Collingsville stuff was outright forgotten, you know, yeah. and uh, nobody, nobody mourned its passing. And it was only when David said, right, well, well, you know, even though it's a lighter distillate, so we started doing, I think, well, I won't give the game away of, of what we've done. But talking about the potential of the Irish grain category today and how people could, could muck about with that in a way that I don't think even been, and, you know, discussed, let alone yeah. distilled. Yeah, it's always kind of been the, the, the weaker sibling of, of pot still and single malt, uh, grain whiskey. And I suppose, let's, let's start off first, uh, Fiona, and, Distinguish the definition of grain whiskey because it is different in Scotland to what it is in Ireland. Sadly. And what we try to do with, and as you know, what we try to do with the, with the magazine series is discuss these items. So for those who, who haven't had the previous tip, the idea is to look at something from the past and see what we can draw from it in a contemporary setting and get an innovative producer to walk about with it and then have a, a hooli in a pub. And the whole thing got halted by COVID because you can't have hooligan pubs. So we're doing it for Belfast Whiskey Week, which, again, no better setting, because Belfast was far and away the capital of grain whiskey distilling in Ireland. And it yeah. was the hub of, of the current state. And, and, you know, again, the hub of heavy, heavy industry in general, and the current state fit into that. Um, but when you look at the definition, so, okay, yeah, it's, and I know, so we've had this conversation in pubs, Grain whiskey in Scotland, by and large, is purity, high purity, no continent distillate, distilled in columns, generally out of wheat and maize. Generally wheat, but occasionally maize. You know, North British maize and etc. Um, but legally, it can be anything. It's, it's, you know, our beaky, when they put out their rye whiskey, they were obliged to call it single grain. If you made red breast in Scotland tomorrow, you'd be obliged to call it single grain. If you made malt whiskey in a column still, you'd be obliged to call it single grain. If you made wild turkey in fight, you'd have to call it single grain. Single grain is a catch-all category in Scotland. Yeah. Now, practically, when they say single grain, they mean the same stuff we do. Irish whiskey legislation is different because we've had to accommodate the existence of Irish pot still. And so, we have it regulated 
specifically around the use of polling places. And there is this odd freedom that this, you look at the way, there's nothing about, you know, minimum purity or whatever. There's so much that can be done with brain whiskey in Ireland. And you look at the history of how it has changed. Now, it should be said a lot of cultural, national history was driven by hard, hard economics. A lot of our cultural history was driven by hard, hard economics. The columns are even more. Um, and, and, but it still shapes the, you know, it, it, it no less shapes the history of what was made. You know, it's still an aspect of the drink. And yes, it's less constantly attentive to the masculine. Masculine means less than it would in, say, a pot of distillation. And we'll talk about this. Yeah. I guess I want to give away what David's done. But as the same question that was always there at the back of my mind, well, it's still different. You know, nevertheless, vodka. You know, there is, there is, and, and this stuff is so bewilderingly different to contemporary Irish brain whiskey. You wonder, like, no, no, no. When it, when the masculine is that odd, it is, it definitely tastes, I mean, people, even wheat, you know, 94% yeah. alcohol grain tastes different to maize, 94% alcohol. Absolutely. You look at what we're going to be talking about, and it, and, and it is this strange, you know, a lot of Irish Grain history is tied to the birth of, of transatlantic economics as much as anything. So a lot yeah. of it is abroad, but it's still a fundamental part of the history of the development of Irish whiskey and a, a part of the, the development of the industry. And Belfast is a central player, in fact, arguably the central player in terms of, of international grain sourcing. So it's yeah. all there, you know, and, and that's what attracted me to it. And David was probably the only person I've ever spoken to who caught that in, in a way that was as jazzed to him as Oscar was to everyone else, you know. Yeah. So that, that was David, yeah. What was your reaction, David, when, when Kunan uh, brought the idea and the concept here? Yeah, well, suppose I'm, unfortunately, I'm, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to phrase it, um, I'm old enough to remember what was left of the, the Bondwood warehouses of what was the, the Bondwater distillery or the Kibbit Avenue in the Irish distillery. And, um, I'm also old enough to remember what was left of the Avenue distillery. Uh, yeah. My grandparents were from that, that part of the town. And, um, it's one of those things I actually didn't even realize there was a distillery in that part of Belfast until we actually started to do some research about our own distillery. And, um, it kind of struck a chord because of course, the sad thing about whiskey in, in NI, the North, whatever way you want to put it, is in the space of two generations, with the exception of Bushmills, we lost all of our heritage of yeah. distilling. That sort of struck a chord that it would be great to sort of see what was actually there. And I know there's a project at the minute that's running called the Comfortable Greenway Project, and they're highlighting some of the industrial heritage about that, that part of time. And of course, all of a sudden, you've got Avenue Distillery, you've got Coswell, which we're talking about here tonight. You have Secker's Cooperage. Uh, hey, who told me, who knew there was a Cooperage itself in East Belfast? Never mind the fact that there's 50 Cooperages in the city at one stage. So it's funny how, like a lot of things in Belfast, there's glimpses of the past, but they're pretty much rubbed out in the whole the future, whatever the future may be. But actually, in some ways, Parts of the past, literally, and the industrial heritage are way, way more interesting than people actually realize. So when yeah. you sort of suggested having a look and play with it, so I was like, yeah, 100%, let's dive straight in and see where we go. Yeah. Of course, we're talking about one particular 
distillery really for this uh, project in, in terms of, but there were so many, you know, grain distilleries. I mean, you, you've Avenil, you've Watts, you, you've uh, Conswater, uh, amongst others. And I think when it comes to Conswater, it, it formed, it was a member of the UDC, uh, which later became, became, was taken over by DCL from the Scotch, and then it was uh, uneloquently shut down to uh, support their own businesses, I guess. But these were not small distilleries. I mean, Conswater was producing two, two million gallons a year. I mean, that's not a small amount. UDC, if I remember correctly, had a, uh, had a combined output of six million between nominal you know, yeah. and Conswater being the biggest. So at, at, at one point, it was, it was, it was above two million by the yeah. And it was, yeah, it, it's a strange one because, you know, it, it speaks to the, the sheer mass of grain whiskey that's being pumped out of Belfast. But then there's the question, the great mystery, like, where the hell did all this stuff go? Well, that's and, the question. I assumed it was subsumed into DCL, so the ancestors come to Seattle. They're thought for and there's only one Ian McMillan uh, out in Scotland sent me a, a, a director's pamphlet saying it was subsumed that I, I, I copped it with my there was a period where an awful lot of what you were drinking when you order a Hague was Belfast whiskey, you know, brought over and, and just flushed into the system because they'd taken them over and shut them down. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, you're still in the UK, it's still one industry, there's no regulation at that point, God no, in terms of what you can do internally, you know, and, yeah. and so it was lost, but a lot of it turns out to be weird at the places. And that was what attracted me a, a lot about Conflict was... You know, with some of them with the pot stills, with, with Cumber, you, you, you crack open the bottle of old Cumber and you're like, this is what it was. Whereas with Conswater and these grain distillers, but tell me, if, uh, if the column still is so largely blamed and held responsible for being one of the main reasons for the downfall of Irish whiskey, how was it that, you know, there was such a, you know, a big adoption of the column still up north and, and yet the industry still floundered? So, you know, it gets a bad, a bad neck, name. The and and it, it's a strange one because, of course, yeah, there's the, the irony that, like, by the turn of the century, Ireland was producing more column still whiskey than it did pot still whiskey. You know, the idea that they turned their back on it was ludicrous. Yeah. What happened was a certain cabal of Gentlemen distillers, largely centered in Dublin, and their peers around, whether that be almonds or lots, etc., saw it as 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 a hostile incursion. And it's their history that has been remembered. Yeah. But it's also the like the, the the great questions like, well, it's the sob stories that Ireland refused to to accept the column still and flowers, which is not true. There's the second question: Why did the Irish column still industry, which was enormous, failed before those hospital cures. Why was it all wrapped up by the 1920s and 30s, and they were yeah. still lingering on into the 50s and 60s, at, at which point they eventually was left of them from our pillars, you know, build a new pipe, build a column, the modern industry. <laughs> the question is why this happened, and, and to be honest, an argument I've always made is that it wasn't that Ireland turned its back on the column state. It was that Ireland refused to create a collaborative blending infrastructure in 
comparison to what happened in Scotland. What happened in Scotland, you had Collinsville, you had Maltesters, they originally didn't get along either, you know. Yeah. And a couple of months before the What Is Whiskey trial, Andrew Walker, funny boy of, of Johnny Walker, toured through the Highlands, and he explains to these distillers out in Palestine and find these new places, and he says, you know, I'm not your enemy, I'm your, I'm your customer. And if I buy a little bit of you to flavor my blend, that's more money in a month than your crossing village is going to give you in a lifetime. And he was yeah. dead right. And it created this codependency within Scotch that the malt tradition was subsidized by the Collinsfields. And that didn't happen in Ireland. The, the, the Collinsfields, by and large, told the Collinsfields to jog on. You got the, yeah. the odd blip of Dunville's blending in-house. And then, you know, but there was never any infrastructure. They hated each other. And I mean, David Lloyd George, bizarrely enough, wrote off the entire What is Whiskey trial as one more manifestation of quibbling between Belfast and Dublin. Scotland didn't even factor into it. So, oh, this is just, they can't get along, whatever. You know, they, they disagree about anything. Red flag, blue flag. And, yeah. and there was that, that refusal. And Conswater is a good example of that. that what happened in Scotland was people forgot about malt whiskey for a century. You know, the idea that everyone was, you know, there's a, a, a book, there was a guy named Aeneas MacDonald, who, and that was a pen name, but anyway, he, he would often be regarded as the first of the, the 20th century whiskey writers, and he, he writes from a Scotch perspective, saying like, blended Scotch is not real Scotch, you know, whiskey is malt whiskey, the vineyards of the north, all this, this fact. That sentiment was there in Scotland as well, that, you know, the Collins fell as a betrayal, blah, blah, blah. General Grant and Glenn Livett had the same opinion. Andrew McKenzie out in Dalmore had the same opinion. Versus, say, Watts in Ireland, you know, yeah. the Collins fell. So when you look at the actual trial, it's splintered on both ends. But what happened in Scotland was the eventually got is collaboration. And that created better Scotch and it kept the mall producers alive. You know, yeah. to this day, like, what is it, like 85% of Camila goes into Johnny Walker. And that keeps the fifteen percent alive as Kalira. No, that never happened. And, yeah. and that's the, the, the failure to, the, the failure of Dublin and Belfast to get along is is, is you, you can see like Lloyd George's point that there was this this strange. Now there was more whiskey in the, in rural Ulster, and there was our hostel out in rural Ireland as well, and there was yeah. another hostel in rural Ulster as well. Um, but, but you, only have read, uh, you only have to read uh, truths about whiskey to see the disdain in which the columns yeah, go. And, there, and there's a lot of modern revisionism, you know, where we're starting to say, like, oh, they, they like each other just fine, but it, it wasn't quite right for them. No, they did try to illegalize the columns. And that has to be remembered. They did, they, and, 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 you know, they, they did take them to court. They, they mucked about with them themselves once or twice behind the scenes. They nevertheless tried to, you know, again, shut Irish Collinsville down by means of the court, if not by means of the market. You know, when the market didn't work, they tried the court. In fact, William Ross says this, he says, you know, they've tried, tried by means of the court, um, to, to, to illegalize the product which pleases the public. Um, yeah. and it was ruthless and it was industrial warfare. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's a difficult story to tell. And, and, and Belfast is a good place. I mean, in the same way, Dublin wouldn't deal with Belfast. Bristol wouldn't deal with Belfast. You know, there was this, this culture clash between, you know, producers and what they made. And it's, 
it's a part of the history of Irish whiskey. It's a part of the history of Irish mashbills and how they work and, and what their logic was. And yeah. Collinsville, because they closed down, because they were rather ruthlessly closed down by another Collinsville cartel, again, DCL, close of Diageo, shut them down on purpose because they recognized that the one big threat that Scott had to fear from Irish whiskey was the creation of, and, and Roth says this, the, the big sleeping giant of Irish whiskey, which is dying, is the creation of Irish blended whiskey, cross-community blended whiskey, or cross-distillery cross blended whiskey. You know, and this could be a real, a real threat if it, if, it, if it arises. And instead, you have these like petty blends made in-house by Dunbar's and this and that, and there's nothing to worry about. But they essentially take UDC, which is what Avenue and Conswater, and close them down on site, absorb all the stock in The Hague, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's a huge part of the history. And then there's that question of like the disowned child of yes. Irish distilling, which is the titan of Belfast granary, and what the hell their logic was internally among themselves. And yeah. is that part of the birthright of Irish whiskey now? Yeah. I mean, you're known, your name's synonymous really with pot still, Fiona, uh, although, uh, you know, you, you have shown a, a huge amount of interest in, in the grain distilleries of Belfast, as well as particularly from the point of view that there were different mash bills used within these grain distilleries. And, you know, if you think of grain distilleries now, people tend to think, oh, look, it's maize or wheat, and it's, you know, hugely the majority of that. But, of course, grain whiskey can be made with malted barley only as well. Yeah. Well, so here's the odd thing is in Scotland, if you make malt whiskey in a column state, you cannot call it a single malt. You, yeah. the, part of the discrete definition of a legal definition of single malt in Scotland has to be made in a pot still. Whereas, say, Japan, where you have the, like, Nika coffee malt, where they ran through a coffee still, you know, yeah. that could, that would, if that was made in Scotland, it would be called grain whiskey. In the same way that rye whiskey, if it was made in Scotland, it would be called grain whiskey. In the same way that red bread, if it was made in Scotland, it would be called grain whiskey. In the same way that wild turkey, if it was made in Scotland, it would be called grain whiskey. Grain whiskey in Scotland is, again, practically what we call grain whiskey, you know. Yeah. High, high con, uh, low con, her, high distillation con, those are a base. But, uh, in Ireland, the obsession was about the Collinsville itself. Yes. In, in her legislation, because again, it was Irish postulate in the mix as well, and, and their concerns about how everything gets legislated. So, what we're ending, what we've ended up with is a category that we just have to run into a Collinsville. You know, there's, there's a 30% malt cap at the moment, and, and, and that's, that's up for debate. Who knows if that stays or whatever. But even so, we've made it by contrast, if anything, to Irish Pasco, made it about the Collinsville. Nevertheless, you look at bourbon, and like, they run, I mean, well, not they, but the big bourbon states all run Collinsville, but they run at a very, very low, you know, continental, or very high continental retention, very low ABVs. Yeah. Um, just to get every modern menu in the Let's come to David a quick sec, if you don't mind. David, I mean, you established, tell us a little bit about the history of the uh, Radimal Estate history, how it came about, and how unusually, I suppose, you came to have both a column still and uh, pot stills. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, my wife, Fiona, and I, we got married back in 2011, and, um, at the time, I was spending a lot of time away from home, and I had wanted to be at home more as um, as things were developing. And um, 
at the same time, we were also wanting to do something of a, for ourselves in terms of a business. And we love food and drink, you know, in one sense, if we had the weather, we'd have had a vineyard, but hey, it's, it's kind of bad, it's not Bordeaux. Um, so Fiona actually said, well, what about a distillery? Um, well, you know, we love gin. We look at making gin. And this sort of linked back to an idea Fiona had about probably 15 or 20 years ago when her mom and dad acquired the Denim Estate about building a distillery here. And I think she'd been reading the book by Townsend and the Lost Distilleries of Ireland. And that's yeah. what I, you know, Jesus, this is part of our history that we didn't even know existed. It's up north. You know, yeah. and unfortunately her dad said, you know, here, there's more important things to do than think about distilleries. And that idea just sat until we got married. And then when Fiona suggested, I have to admit, I was quite, I was quite skeptical. I wasn't, you know, is this an industry I want to do? Do I want a career change and all those sorts of things? And, um, but when we started out visiting distilleries, um, doing courses in brewing and, and brewing and distilling, um, I suppose if I'm honest, particularly in the States, we fell in love with this idea of a craft distillery. And during our research, the last places we actually visited were actually the distilleries in Ireland. So as we were gearing up to, Look towards producing our gin. We ended up with a distillery, or sorry, a still setup that was pretty much driven by sort of the craft craft movement in the states, which was a um, hybrid still called on Collins. So this is this idea started way back for us back in 2011. Um, nice picture of our bar at the after the yeah, so this is, I mean, this is I suppose what you are known for primarily originally the short yeah. cross gin, which was a huge success and. All made on site and, uh, you know, a huge success. Which just has enabled you to do yeah, so, things. Yeah, so we ended, up, we ended up with a still with two columns for doing our gin. And then just before we launched our, our launch or first, we were in the States and we saw a conference in Seattle with the American Distilling Institute. And that was back in sort of March 14th. And just before we launched, we sort of realized, hey, if we're going to make a business out of this, we're going to need to look at other products. So this idea of starting whiskey, start off with all like, what else do we make? And we always believe that you should make what you love. I happen to love malt whiskey. So we said, well, what else do we need to be able to make malt whiskey? We've got a beautiful copper pot still that we can operate in a number of ways. And the simple answer was we need to be able to make beer because in essence, Beer, uh, whiskey is nothing more than distilled beer, less the hops. Yeah. So we spent a year, ordered our, designed and fabricated our brewing plan. And, um, and in summer of sort of June 2015, we actually started to produce our first malt whiskies. But all through this, aside from doing what we've done on the malt whiskey side, I have had this itch to be able to use my columns. Yeah. The non kind of said, yeah, well, what about this project or what about corn's water? I thought, yeah, well, you know what? I can do it in pots and it will be legal. But at the minute, I can't use the columns because it's a prohibited still design if I use the columns. So we've done the pots and we really, really loved it. In fact, it's one of, it's, I think it's, really, as we'll see today, I said, it's a really, really great distillate. And then we said, well, what about a comparison? Why not look at comparing same mash bill, same brewing conditions, same operating conditions? But hey, we'll actually distill it with the columns in a batch manner and see whether or not it affects the distillate. So that's probably kind of a fast forward to, to where we've got it. But no, I'm sorry if I reaffirmed it there. 
Okay, so essentially, we're, we're going to be talking, look, let's spill the beans. We're going to be talking about a cons water mash bill. How, how did you come across this, uh, Pionon, and uh, what's the story behind it, and what's the composition? Yeah, I mean, the Jonathan Susan, that's how I came across it. The hostility from Hostel, and particularly the certain prestige government served against Belfast, um, produced a lot of, of, of material. And it's in the water this trial itself, it's in the Islington case beforehand, blah, blah, blah. So the council facilities were there, and they had to testify as well, and they, in both cases, and blah, blah, blah. And so all this stuff comes out. And, and I, um, I knew that there was a history of maize distilling because the Dunville's records um, make frequent allusions to, to, to maize sourcing, you know, and, and that's the only, I, I, as I've said to Eckenville, who have the Dunville's brand now, uh, when you go to Tony and you look at the Dunville stuff, it's just board movements. It's, 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 the word whiskey is a dirty word, you know, but you don't see anything. But occasionally they refer to maize uh, sourcing. And so this, this has been around for a long time. And Collins Water was always an interesting one. She had three big Collins states in Belfast. And then the one in Derry and then the one in Dundalk. She had that industrial, industrialized northeast hub at Belfast. And the ones in Belfast would have been Avenue, the Irish Distillery, and the Royal Irish Distillery. And uh, two, two of those three became UDC along with Watford and Derry. But you had this, this, this scene. And again, when you look at Alfred Barnard's tour of Ireland, it's, he, he, you know, there's a lot of thought made by myself among others about his tours of the old Irish hospital facilities. But he brings up more and he's outproof about that. And of the three, Avenue will turn him away. They were actually the only distillery in the then United Kingdom that refused entry to Alfred Barnard. That place yeah. was sketchy as all hell. <laughs> and then you have, you know, like, Graham is like thumped from the market. And then you go, you go to Conswater, and it's the same setup, a console, blah, blah, but they're incredibly proud. And so we have the latest type of steel, we have the latest setup, we have this, the, 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 you know, no expense spared, the, the, the most modern of equipment. <clears throat> and for me, those two, that contrast between Avenue and Conswater summed up the history of grain distilling in Ireland. That, that strange on the one hand, you're really uber sketchy, you know, whatever. The people that Truth About Whiskey was written about, you know, it's just like something well of mass produced grain alcohol. And the other who saw it has, in, in the same way that like Harlem Wolf could have shown him around the shipyard saying, like, we have the latest of everything, you know, yeah. and, and that, that contrast and that I mean, industrial raucous noise. And, and what's the case of that scene and that space? And then you have Dundas, the Royal Irish Ferry, who are making pots on cons and, and blending them in house, you know. But it, it, it was such an odd hiccup. And then you see this, like, something of maize, something of rye, which is an odd one. And again, it's heavily under-discussed. Rye played a much, 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 much heavier role in the history of Irish grain whiskey than it did in Irish Postal. Irish Postal was never more than 5% of it, which is straight in. That had a better effect. Whereas in, in Postal, it's good to be, you know, it's 30 to 40% kind of stuff. And, um, and there's even a history of malted rye. It, it, 
apply DCL as like essentially tricking people because you tell them so it's possible and, and the other way around. So there's two histories of, uh, two histories of Irish brainwashing. One is the history of these old Belfast Titans, and then the other is Irish popular distillers like Jemison in their, you know, various points of desperation who, who mucked about with columns those, and they just run the pot so through Or you've got like Bushnells who ran columns through Coleraine and ran yeah. essentially a body-based grain whiskey because that, they were using their own stock. So that's kind of needs must history of Irish grain whiskey. And, 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 and it survives through, you know, the, the kind of stuff that goes into, into, into Blackbush, you know, GPL and this stuff. Um, but there is that lost history of people who made grain whiskey on purpose is, is, is the way to put it. And they were based in Belfast. And their history is largely untold. And that's always been interesting to me. And, and then when it comes to the recipe, if you're not, obviously, I mean, grain whiskey can have the same complexity in mash bills that Postel and any other whiskey can have as well. The, the myth that it can be just plain one grain and that's it, it is, is a fallacy. So, how did you come across the actual recipes? Lawsuits. <laughs> the lawsuits had the recipes in them. Lawsuits, the what is whiskey trial. Um, again, the cold rain stuff is, is quite easy to track um, because, you know, Bushnell's references themselves. And, and the same way, like, again, like Bushnell, before Bushnell's part of IDL, they had their own, there was two malt distilleries, three at a push. There was Bushnell's, cold rain, and Coleraine's really little side brand called Killowen, funnily enough. And I, I remember Brendan calling me up and saying, was there a historic Killowen? He didn't know. And yeah. nobody, and it was, it was really like a little Coleraine distillery bash lab, you know, uh, and, and eventually Bushnell bought Coleraine and turned Killowen into a bottom hole. So it was a tiny little blip. But anyway, yeah. malt whiskey in Ireland was really confined to the North Coast. But Bushnell bought Coleraine, absorbed their malt stocks. That's why Bushnell Bushmills, pure malt Bushmills, that's quite difficult to find. Because when Bushmills absorb Coleraine, they start pouring Coleraine into it. So technically it's a vat of malt that you get before, even before the advent of blend Bushmills. And then they installed a column in there that started making their own grain whiskey. Yeah. And because they were running from Coleraine and Bushmills to them with malt distilleries, they started running barley through these. And that's why Blackfoot to this day has a grain whiskey made of barley because they were quite, when they became part of IDL, it became necessary by 1978, Coleraine closed down, to centralize, and it said there was a product made in Middleton that could replace it. There's this whole, you know, history of, of grain whiskey, but there's, there's two histories of grain whiskey in Ireland. There's one is multi distillers who did it under duress through their own system. There's the other, which is the history of people who, again, set out to make grain whiskey on purpose, and their history is very different, you know. Yeah. And, that's what we were looking at in Collins Walker. You know, a, a broken history, a, a history that has, hasn't been the light of day well, since Dunville's fall in the 1930s. Yeah. I think we had this discussion once, Fionnan, where we talked about the fact that, you know, up north there are very few remnants left of any closed distilleries. Uh, and you attributed that really to the successful economic conditions of the north and that they could afford. To so get shut them down yeah. and clear them out. So we don't have any. Well, it, and it, it is, it's the same to a, a significantly lesser extent in the urban south. You know, it's, it's hard to find a distillery running in the court. 
then it was an off-lake because if you go out to Florida, it just wasn't a mountain up and down, so you can the whole building. But yeah. East Belfast, as the industrialized hub of the island, it's the hardest. Because, yeah. and, and there's still structures there, but you know, it, you, you look at, like I remember looking for the Comac facility, and I had yeah. to cross the lag and I looked backwards at the place because the front is like a Polish food shop and a dojo. And yes. you go, go across the, the backward side and look back and see there's, oh, there's a bit of wall there that is clearly not of the same time period, you know. But yeah, yeah very, very little left in comparison to it, to probably. You know, like Montreal and or Quebec, and of course, you know, lots was was kept basically as is. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay, do, do you want me to give us a recipe then for these Fiona uh, you know, yeah. the recipes? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and David can tell us how the process of actually producing it. <laughs> so the the actual when there's, there's something there's a, a lawsuit lawsuit from London that leads to. Kirker and Greer having to confess where they got the stuff. Of course, Kirker and Greer were the Belfast bonder along with Mitchells, not Mitchell and Sons, Dublin, but different Mitchells. The, the Mitchells that are all over the Duke of York. Yes. Co-venture. And they would have been getting it from Con's water. And so in the midst of that lawsuit, they had to kind of up and say, this is where we got it and this is where it's made it. And you look at the... And, and, and it's funny, again, and there's a whole... Argument for why this happened, but you know, you're, you're talking about like a quarter malt, roughly, and yeah. a you know about twenty percent malt. Uh, and but what was interesting to me was it's a sphere, and I gave gave that sphere to choose from, you know, and it's it's in one sense broad, and the other sense specific. Well, you're talking like thirty-seven to this kind of kind of stuff, twenty-seven to such and such. I thought I gave David free reign within that to kind of pick, 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 yeah. pick. Biggest space because, of course, driven by the market, you know, all natural were, were a little bit variable. You're talking about vibrating lines, um, but you know, you're essentially talking about a mix between malt, rye, and maize. Not unlike bourbon, funnily enough, independently across the way, but through a different system, high and again, like rye, it's a very, 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 I mean, fried bourbon, you know, never mind like four roses, high rye bourbon. Yeah, your creation of bourbon is around 12% rye, which is much higher. You know, using the same sort of logic, there is this weird overlap between how people arrive at the same decisions. So I'll leave it with David to, to say where he took that. Yeah, so I suppose we have the sort of the three cereals of the maize, the rye, and the malt. And the only thing that we couldn't get to fully replicate the recipe was, was the all rye. So we actually used malted rye. Um, in Blackville. And one of the things that we said was, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to follow our, our standard brewing process. So we mashed this pretty much as we would for a potstone mash or a malt mash. Yeah. And um, then we, we sort of looked at it. In this instance, for this, the first trials we, that we've done were for potstone distillation. So we used the same yeast, same fermentation regime. So I think this is about 155 hours. Yeah, so this will be sample one, which will be the one with the pink label. In weird packets, and then Paul told me, two packs, packets, all packs in the festival. And in fact, I saw a comment on Facebook who said, Did anyone else in Belfast Whiskey Week get a sample of Etton's, of, of, of Redamon uh, gin that does not taste like gin? 
actively yeah. in life. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like crocodile on day here, but uh, that's a bottle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So look, yeah. As I pour this out, uh, and if anybody else has their samples there, uh, they might want to start pouring. And oh, I get the. So number one is the. Is it the pot still distilled? Number one yeah. pot still, okay. Yeah. It's really interesting that from, I suppose from an industrial aspect, when we went through the, the brewing process for this, even though it's, it's 50% maize, it's just how much higher the yield was. Like, you right. know, 5 to 10% higher yield. So, straight away, you know, you go back to that industrial herding, you can see why the Belfast grain distillers would have been using maize. And you know, it just gives such a such a lift. But I was a bit skeptical because of the maze that when we distilled this, it was going to be quite neutral. I wasn't expecting it to be very flavoursome, very rich. I was expecting quite a nice distillate, even though we were distilling it in pots. Yeah. And I thought we were we were quite pleasantly surprised. So you know everyone wants to stick their nose in, I suppose, and get the glass good slow. Nobody did these. I mean, Belfast was like obsidian, you know, the board drink whiskey glasses. You know, I don't know who's got this like pitch black thing. I can see what I'm drinking. <laughs> so for me, on the nose, you know, the first thing I get is actually that sort of sort of crisp malt note. But then I sort of get sort of sort of those three notes, a little bit of light pepper. It started to come through, sort of the, the rye starts to sit upon something a little bit sweet. And I find that the, the maize there, it just is quite buttery and creamy. It just, it just softens the whole nose. As I look in the glass, it's, it's actually it's the amount of oils that are actually in, in the, in the new maker. It just said, you know, you just start to see how maize actually can start to contribute things like mouthfeel and body. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's a, on on the nose. I know we don't really talk about heat on the nose, but there there is no heat on the nose at all. With this, this is very, you know, cottonwoodish. Have you ever had a cucumber sandwich? Yes. No, oh, oh, okay. Well, I was not of the social class who got cucumber sandwiches, but I remember trying one for the first time and being amazed by how bland it was. Um, we had um, there is that weird, that weird like. Cucumber smell off of it. It's it, the fruit. It doesn't manage to be fruit. It manages to be that weird, like again, cucumberness. That that strange, like watery, slightly herbal. Not herbal. People think herbal is like pine and things. But there's that weird, like crispness. I think you called it on the nose. And then you drink it, and you get that like soft um I, I say butterness. It's not the popcorn button butteriness. It's not the like mouthfeel, gorgy butteriness. It's it's just a soft. It's still and for those who, who didn't quite pop it, so we we distilled or really, David distilled <laughs> in pots and columns. So this is a, an Irish grain whiskey recipe that was run through a pot. Despite the fact that Irish whiskey legislation now mandates that Irish grain whiskey is run through a column. This is taking the same master. And well, all I wanted was someone with little columns to, to do this for us. And David came back saying, like, we'll do it through pots, and then we'll do it through columns. And see, if we take a column still master and, and run it, in the same way that, again, like the, the interest GPL and all these were 
or Potsdam Maxwell's runs and columns backwards because you had and you have that weird history of like again Irish Potsdam skillers who were obliged to run columns at one point or another start running their balls their Potsdam Maxwell's doing but then you also you know had this loophole that like what if you did it backwards this is not the Conswap this is Conswap has done through Pops which is yes. even more odd but that's yeah, what yeah. we want to yeah. And tell me, what were the challenges of producing this, uh, David? First, I suppose, you know, rye is pretty sticky stuff and pretty difficult stuff to work with. And, uh, you know, I know you have long fermentation periods as well. Did you apply that to this as well? Yeah, we did. We had no issues from, with the rye. I think from our Popstill Brewing Program, we sort of figured out a lot of the issues with dealing with things like beta glucans and all those all wonderful things that you don't need to worry about when you're doing malt. Yeah. Um, so the, the brewing side, our one stock mash, um, actually halfway through the sort of the program we were doing, we didn't have any real great issues. Yeah. Fermentation was, um, fermentation would say follow what we would do normally, which is sort of 140 to 160. Yeah. for this. But generally, actually, the mash report behaved really, very well. It didn't give us any real technical challenges. So the real question was what it was going to, going to distill like. And um, uh, distilling-wise, we did tweak our cup points a little bit um, just to sort of hone in with the postal side what we thought was going to produce a better distillate. Yeah. But we didn't cup too late to let it get too heavy or oily because we could taste all the way. There was quite a bit of mouthfeel with the distillate. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, so no, it generally it behaved pretty well. So. Yeah, there's um, a sourness to this as well. Like also, it, it's uh, quite different to you know a, a single malt yeah. you make for sure. But yeah, there is a kind of creaminess as well. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Of, all the even though it's made, it smells a lot less sweet. Yeah. What I find is that sort of is, is sort of a, it's the rye just sort of gives that real sort of real fruity twinge to it. Yeah, and um, that's that for me is um, what starts to get interest, especially with malted rye. You know, you have components there that are, that are quite complex with that cereal. Yeah, and um, I find it quite a quite a fresh. Just sort of, I think cucumber is actually a, is a is an interesting description, but I think it's the freshness. That I would associate with cucumber. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing is, is the amount of oils in the glass. That's when you start to go, oh, this is going to be a little bit different. And is it more oils than you would get normally out of one of your mash bills? Um, no, we would get it maybe a, a little bit more, but our, excuse me, our dips was because they're double distilled, tend to be quite he- heavy and rich anyway. Yes. But it's, it's a different type of oiliness. Yeah. If I was to taste this. And if anybody has any comments they'd like to make about it, I know there were over 150, 160 samples that went out in various packs. So other people have either drank them all already and are, are lying down or are just very quiet. But uh, love to get your feedback on what you think of these. You know, what do you, what are the notes do you get in this? Of the first one, yes, it's a weird one because again, it is. If you've ever had pot filled bourbon, because of course bourbon is quite low 
ABV distilled, you know, it, it's legally obliged to be under 80, but it keeps you about half that. Um, right. And there is a weird... <sighs> yeah, the, the big thing is that weird, like, cucumber sandwich thing, that freshness, which is peculiar to think, okay, maybe dry, low-continent, or high-continent distilled, low ABV, it's going to taste weirdly like a bourbon. And it, it doesn't. It tastes like... It is oily, not possible oily, maybe oily. I mean, if you ever had corn whiskey, like actual corn whiskey, you know, stuff that doesn't qualify to be called bourbon, and, you know, above 80% maize, not in virgin oak, whatever, it can be here. The substance that holds tinned corn together, you know, the like watery stuff in the middle, which can yeah. have that. Sometimes it can be really unpleasant, and sometimes it can be strange and fun. And this, this slightly reminds me of the Strange and fun stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that, that weird, like, oil of a different kind, but then it, it manages to have that, again, that cucumber freshness kind of lifts it out of that. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Paddy Duffy there is saying fruit and spice. Well, of course, I presume a lot of that spice is uh, from the rye element. Yeah. I find it it's interesting. It's actually long the finishes. Yeah. You know, it, it, to me, it's so heavy, so sticky. It really crawls to your mouth. And then I find that the, the corn starts to maze starts to come back and sort of that sugar puff sort of cereal yeah. that comes through. You know, I actually get a, a little bit of almost like leek kind of flavor yeah, off it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know, it, it's just really nice. Actually, and it doesn't have a burn. <laughs> What's this? What percentage is this, uh, David? This is at 46. 46% so you probably what, what would have come off the still at? came off the still about 70 yeah yeah hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm personally I'm not fans of this one you know we do think it is quite of course it's different yeah no it is very different and it is long it is long hmm. let's see what does anybody else have any thoughts there Graham has to recover. There's a few people in there. So, I mean, there were, there were a lot of sample packs that went out. I think people are still looking for some of those, actually, as well. So they're wondering what box it's in. What are the other challenges, then, of this? Uh, did it, it didn't clog up your postal in any shape or form? Or? Well, it, honestly, it was, it was really, really well behaved. Um, the challenge was just trying to create something that replicated or reflected our interpretation of what cons water could be and say we couldn't get raw rye so we used malted rye and um, we yeah. had the we were sort of on the limits for both the malt and the rye but it was um, I think the interesting thing was just trying to trying to make sure that we've done the, the mash bill sort of justice in terms of it as being as close to what it was historically yeah and when Fiona gave you the recipe did you were you able to provide any details about, about the cut was that or was that lost? I mean, it's not. I mean, it's a column still, so you know they were high. You know, this isn't a pot still, so it doesn't matter. It's a, it, yeah. it in translate, you know. But yeah, yeah. The, the the actual content of it's running high grade. Yeah, you know, coming off at ninety six so or whatever. Cuts cuts something you into it, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is this is almost a thought piece of like this is not historical whiskey this is like what that column might have tasted like had it come off the pot 
at 70%, which is less than what most hospital is to come off in this country. Yeah. You know, and, but I think there's that peculiarity in, in grain whiskey at the moment in Ireland. It has the potential to be, no, it can't be making pot, it has to be the corn for now. But there is the year, but could you be more content or retentive about it? Could you do stuff that's not just incidental coolie or incidental Great Northern or incidental Middleton columns? Yeah, how would this be classified now, if you're on off the pot still? Just Irish whiskey, couldn't be called anything else. Yeah. Grain whiskey is not pot still, yeah. It's, 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 um, and there's no problem with that. You know, this, and, and the, I know the, the possible thing has been put to bed, thank God. Um, yeah. and, and, and fair play to the, the, you know, the whole industry for dealing with it. Um, and, um, there, but there is a space for generic Irish whiskey, you know, and, and this would fit in there very comfortably. Yeah. yeah. Any plans then to release this, David? Yeah, we have, um, I suppose the, the, this, the distance I had about a year in the cast. So, um, yeah, so this will, this will be coming out, um, somewhere along the way. Anyway, we, you know, I say, I really like it. What for me is interesting with this is that we give green whiskey in our, in our we give green whiskey such a hard time. Yeah. You know, the farmers complain about the maize, people complain that it's not, it's too neutral. But all of a sudden, started looking at some of these older marsh bills, and I suppose when we look back at, you know, Belfast Green Whiskey, we probably look back at sort of, look down our nose at it and assume it's the same stuff that was being produced now, but it was obviously quite different. And you start to go, well, actually, how would this have aged in a sherry cask, in a port cask, in a fortified wine, or whatever they had at that time, you know, because if you actually look on the Conswater Greenway website, before the Conswater River was narrowed, you can see that they were bringing barrels and grain up and down the river to it. So oh, it was there for a reason, you know, it was industrially central, you know. They didn't take the site at random, you know. Well, they so many things. the Campbell, too, when you were talking about... Yeah, I mean, I suppose this will be the as closest to the historic reproduction of Conswater as it can get. Yeah, so we redistilled this now. This time around, we did change the yeast for this, so we actually used the grain whiskey yeast, kept okay. the mash for the same, and went through the same fermentation process. What did you yeah. use, like anchor or, sorry? What, did, what yeast did you use? Did you use anchor yeah. or? We used an element GW yeast. Okay. So what I find with the columns is, is on, on sample two, which is the flat label bottle for anyone that's... Yeah, that one. one there. Yeah. Yeah. What I find is not the is it really draws out the fruity notes from the rye. All of a sudden the rye is so much so much further forward. Yeah. Oh. It works. It's, it's, it's fun. It's strange. I mean, you look at like most I, I had a, a wonderful trip to Kentucky once where I, I talked to you about how does maize taste coming out of a pot still versus a column still? This is high constant retention column versus no constant retention. And if you run a column still, not trying to bleed out the ingredients, what you get versus pot around the same thing. And it was so much wonderful geekiness coming out of this knowledge base that was lost in Ireland. We've never had in Ireland, but for so long, maybe nobody in the process. Well, a few people may have it, and it was, it was seen as an outlier, and it's just set in the Midlands. But, um, 
trying these two together, seeing yes. Ash run through one kit and the other, you know, and it's so it's so fun. You know? I mean, it, it, it's amazing how different they are, and yet there is something common through the two of them. And I think, you know, if you were to talk about your cucumber, that's still there to some element. It was. Yeah. But, uh, great better in the columns, please. You know, you get that, it is better. Uh, it is better in the columns. Although, saying that, you don't get the viscosity, I don't think. Quite the same. Yeah. There's a certain greasiness, like a lot of American corn whiskey, you know, not bourbon, but corn whiskey, which is, again, a different category. Above 8% you know, maize and not aged in virgin oak. Um, there, there is a weird, like, again, a tin corn sensation that's not entirely pleasant for a lot of people, including myself. And here, when you see corn refined, that greasiness gets refined into a lovely kind of mouthfeel. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a greasy, what we think of single grain rather than greasy whiskey, so stop. And it, yeah. and it works. It's heavier than grain whiskey as we know it, but it's still been refined. You know, and, and there's a lot of body there. It's There's still, a lot going on in it. That weird, like, you know when you get bread at a restaurant, there's little bits and pieces stuck in it, you know, the, 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 um, the real kind of fancy, like, I don't know what those herbs actually are, but they're sticking out of the bread. That kind of smell. There's that along with the cucumber. It's it's It still has this, you know, and, and it's funny because, of course, like, Columnstow whiskey, far more than pasta whiskey, both in Ireland and Scotland, homogenized during the French has to be one thing, wheat or maize, and five percent off to get the go ahead, you know. And there is that space. And maybe yeah, maybe it was gone through industrial pragmatism, maybe it was just hard economics, maize is dirt cheap, why it grows wheat, all these very factors, this is coming up the bloody river, you know. But again, they still develop logic. They still develop a cohesive identity as liquid, and there's a weird, and especially you mentioned of, of, of malted rye, there's a weird drop comment in the What is Whiskey trial where one company, it might even, I think it's even BCL themselves, talk about using malted rye and curling to give body to the whiskey. And I always read this like I was trying to pretend to be possible, or what, what, what does give body to the brain whiskey mean? But you know, there's this little Chance comes in the dark, but it does, you know, you get that. It is, it is, I mean, I've had green spirit before, and you know, and as of, as of me too. And there is, despite the fact that it's kind of not going well, but it's, yeah. it's, it, in, in some of the maze, this led this led to when you're running through a pot, it, it starts to taste a little engine oily. Whereas here, that has been refined just enough that it creates a new texture. It's not the, it's not the pots alone. It's not the really classic, you know. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit sweeter as well through the column still than, uh, than through the pot still, which I'm kind of surprised at. I mean, I would have almost flipped these around, and if somebody said to me, this one is this, and this is the other, you know, it, it wouldn't have surprised me if somebody it's said this is the column. pot drinkers is what it yeah. is. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for crab pot drinkers, you know that oily, which again, it's not the same oil, like, like engine grease has been calmed down, then, then thinned a bit, and then that weird cheap thing, you know, it's, it, it works though. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just, 
I think it, it's a good example of sort of today's the, um, yeah. the argument. I have to move a lot of this time. So, fingers crossed. There is a charger waiting for me. Yeah, oh, you're losing, yeah, you're losing power. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows that power disappears quicker in Belfast than it does in Dublin. Your laptop is drained. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they're on the same number, same number of sockets and everything. Solution here. Yeah, yeah. It is just, it's just part of it. Well, it's good we're getting a tour of the bar. <laughs> Tell me, uh, how, how, how are the, how is this different in production terms, uh, David? So the, Other than the yeast. The brewing process follows the same volume. Sure, yeah. We distilled on our original 450 liter still with both 57 feet um, columns engaged. Yeah. And um, we turn into a, a, the two of you. Unfortunately, we're in a pub. Um, okay. They don't have wireless electricity there, then, no? Oh, oh, grand. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. I'm blind to that. Um, Okay. <laughs> oh, wouldn't be. <laughs> if any have, if anybody hasn't been to the Duke of York and uh, they're looking for a mirror, <laughs> there you go. Are you back? Yeah, oh, I, I, I've never left. Um, grand. Who, who would have thought? Victoria. That's the difference between Dublin and Belfast. You get lovely Victorian pubs, but they've also got electrical sockets. You know, this is this is what happened. This is what ran the column still in the is the existence of electrical sockets in pubs in Belfast. And they have... With, with, their, with their laptops. That mix of tradition and forward thinking. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you know, There's Robert. <laughs> um, so he doesn't know what he's more jealous of. Has anyone been up... David, am I with you? Can you yeah, hear me? I'm with you, yeah. I think there's lots going on there. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Yeah. Beyond the, the fermentation and the brewing process, what was different? Uh, obviously, you were using a column still, but what was the effect on the machinery? And how far did you have to deviate from the normal production method? So, with the, the, with the first sample, it was double distilled in pot. So, a wash distillation qualified for a spare distillation. Yeah. So this one, it was a single pass, so it was um, through the pot still and then through the columns. And because it's, it's batch operated as opposed to continuously operated, we actually make a set of cup points. We make a head, a hearts, and a tails, a faints, hearts, or sorry, four shot, hearts, and faints, cuts. Yeah. We would distill in the pot still. Um, and for us, it was just, it, we went a little bit later on the tails than we would have liked. With yeah. the, Maybe added a little bit more breadiness, but straight away when we were distilling this, the rye really jumped out. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the fruitiness of the rye um, really shone through for us. So um, we're hoping that we're going to be allowed to produce whiskey using our columns on a back basis um, sooner rather than later. It's something that's been proposed, so we're waiting to hear on that. So just run that by me again. You want to be able to run columns in a batch process? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we've been asking for this for about four years. Um, so hopefully, 
um, in the next few weeks, we're going to get the more to be able to do that. Yeah. And, um, because I have to say, now, I actually, one of the advantages as a distiller using the columns is you get so much more proper contact. Right. You actually yeah. get a much smoother, much smoother distillate because of that. And I also think it's fun because it allows us to do some of the things that we want to do that we haven't been able to do. Yeah. And, and did this come off the column stills at a really high ABV? Or did you take it off just, just over 90? Yeah. Um, I think the hot fraction was about 86, 87. And then okay. we reduced it down. Very good. Very good. I think, uh, Fiona, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, yeah. The tech is always better up here, but that's much better. You know, you must have got a very long cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, all sorts of that. Well, I said, plugged in and forgot to turn down the new clicker thing to face the thing. Yeah. The is on. I, something yeah. I've never understood the existence of. Why, why is the software always on when you want to plug something in there? Um, but anyway, you have to turn the socket on. As well as 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 well. That's for it, the little kids going around with keys and putting their fingers in sockets, you know. Of course, but those children are damned to kill themselves somewhere or another. Um, yeah. Um, why we should be held back by? Yeah, no, I mean they're both really, uh, you know. When you, of course, when people think of grain, they think it's uh, a less complex, more. Steady kind of spirit, if you like. But, but these have as much complexity and body in them as, as any postil or any mash bill I've tried. You know, it might not have the gravity, might be the only difference. It's yeah. also a question of like, legally, there's nothing that I know of in our system legislation says grain has to be high, high ABV, that has to be no constant retention. It's not there. It's, it's, it's lot, lot, unless it's been changed. I thought it had to come off a column still above a certain percentage. Not even about it has to come off a column still, there's no mention of Sorry, column still, yes. It has to come off a column still, what is it, 93? It's a maximum, but no minimum. That's maximum is rather minimums. All right, okay, yeah. how, so you look at like bourbon, bourbon cannot be distilled higher than 80% alcohol. In fact, there's several from them. Potsdills in, in Ireland often slightly higher than that. Yeah. I, I remember there's a, there's a wonderful guy, Colin Adam Kentucky, who runs something called Moonshine University, which is a, a staff training facility within, within Kentucky. And I remember trying to ask him once, I said, how, 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 or what strength does most of actually come off in Syria? About half that. And it was flabbergasting to me to, to know that bourbon not only tastes slightly greasy, but because it is actually taken off at a, at a low, despite the fact that a lot of it is going through column fish. I know a lot of craft distillers are making hot distilled bourbon now. Mm-hmm. But there is that weird incongruity that if you distill something in a pot in a column, and again, like columns run the speed, the way we think of columns in, in Ireland, Scotland, is run columns as they're designed to be run, you know, run them and, and keep very little. But in America, they're run, and they have to be run to roughly the strength of many of them, you know, and, well, okay, that's a column that are the same, you know, because when all this gibberish around double skills and American must have been single, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to be using bad skills. Yeah. But there is that same, and again, like what can be in some corn whiskies in America, are so greasy, kind of, 
I don't find entirely pleasant. When refined out, it becomes what goes into that virgin oak. It's a shock bang of vanilla and so forth. It becomes bourbon. It all starts to make a lot of sense. And here, it, it's been weird to see that much Irish overlap and how the contexts overlap and then see them just as spirit and have hot filled, cotton filled, and but again, like high, relatively high content of retention across both in comparison to what we really think of as going in history. Yeah. So if I was to talk about, uh, there's one question that's, that's, that's stuck in my mind is, what kind of cask would you mature this in, David? I put this in the virgin oak. Virgin oak. Yeah. Speaking of bourbon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but why not? You know, I work with them. It's me as high. There's a good element of rye. And, um, hey, maybe I'll get a Irish bourbon equivalent cast back at the end of all this, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, could you see a finishing in another type of cast? Yeah, I could see this with a bit of, with a bit of sweetness and a bit more body from the past. I can see this going into something like a cherry or a cast. Yeah. Well, I only concern would be maybe able to get to the point where it's too sweet. Yeah. So definitely red wine size, but maybe maybe put maybe a maybe a drier style of cherry. Yeah. And it, in terms of actually using this as a as a component of a blend, is that a possibility that like, I, yeah like, you know, we produce malt, we produce topsail, um, we produce a few other things. Um, the one thing that we haven't talked about is the, the opportunity to do a blend of all our topsail biscuits. Yeah. And then, what is it? Oh, at the end of the day, I just want to make Irish whiskey. I'm yeah. not too concerned about the sub-label or sub-category. Mm-hmm. I want yeah, yeah. to make Irish whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Could there, and I, I don't know if this has been done or not, and maybe Fiona, you can correct me on this. Is there a possibility of a peated grain whiskey? Oh, stop it. But peated implies you've malt something, and malt tends to be quite low in... You could have a 25% malted barley, yeah. 10% malted barley, just to see, or even malt, you know, you talked about other mash bills, you could do peated oats and put it through a... I'd be, I'd be curious, because I remember being there on the day, like two of the most innovative products in Ireland, or the Great Northern, well, the same products in premise, Great Northern Distillery Triple Sill, Peter Malt, and Healing Triple Sill, Peter Malt. Yeah. With the different sites. And I remember being there the day that Alex was running one of the prototypes for what's now, you know, the, the, the Blackheads. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the waste of time, blah, blah, blah. We, we moved Peter Malt for this than we now. And, and, and then, Subsequently, that they've got really, really peated malt, and around that, and that seems to be what blackness is made of. But I, I happened to be interviewing Alex on a day that, like, one of the lead-ups was going on, and it was the idea that, like, you're peeling it and you're bleeding it out. And Colin still is run to efficiency anyway, will be doing the same thing even more, the kind of, like, why would you bother? Let alone, if you have 25% of the mash bill with that, let alone, the whole thing, and then you're running into a console. Even a even a high content of retention distillation, where you're not running the console to, to efficiency, would you? And Loch Lomond, yeah, Loch Lomond have have peated peated grain whiskey. Yes, again, again, like there's a weird, you know, the, the Scottish regulation is so odd that like, anything runs through a console is is, is grain whiskey in Scotland. Oh, stop! You could run single malt to a console, you're still making grain whiskey in Scotland. 
you know, we're armed, armed paranoid because of history, because of possible and so forth. Is the other way around, where you could, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you do. Well, grain whiskey has to be made in a colourful full stop. You can't make grain whiskey in possible because there's the existence of Irish possible by contrast. They don't, they don't claim to be like natural law fucking, you know, genius species, etc. denominations, but they're about the histories of the industries, really. Yeah. There's the question of well, what is the reason nobody ever made Peter Malt through a colony scale, even at a low concentration, even a high concentration of low ABV distillation? Um, would it work? Is anyone willing to try it? I don't know. You know, yeah. it's fun. But again, like, you're not even talking about like, look, Freud's wash runs your account, so you're talking about like, by legislation at the moment, under 30% malt content, unless you're fucking beating the maze itself. Yeah. For the crack of it, you know, um, what you would get, I think it's very difficult to come up with heated single grain in the current context. It's almost impossible in Scotland. Extremely difficult now. Yeah. But I mean, with the apparent changes in the legislation around uh, mash bills and what you can call them, and, you know, the the flexibility that you have there with the column still, it surely opens up a whole massive new area of all these new permutations of what could be done in the future. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, the, the G, what will be the revised GI and even the GI as it is, there's so much flexibility in it um, already, you know, that you just have to look to that generic glass of Irish whiskey to realize you can pretty much have your party and get back to the three basic rules of the Irish Whiskey Act. Yeah. You know, and if you look at it that way, I'm, I, you know what, I'm a glass half full sort of person. I think it's a positive and I just think, you know what, all these labels and sub-labels are great, but I just want to produce whiskey. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and that, you know, you look, look at it in that way, I think you just go watch it. They innovate, yeah. you know, they innovate and try just about anything you want. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a comment there, and, and, and that's not actually true, so to bring it back, um, a Which lot point? of Middleton Potsville is brought up at 85%, but actually single grain is, is brought up in the low 90s. It is definitely in, in Ireland. Um, yeah, 85%, so a lot of, it, it's obviously triple still Potsville in Ireland comes off to, you take like, I know it's my own thesis experiment, you know, crab pot pump tends to come off around the like 78-80% when you're talking about tailsy, particularly so pot so distillate, and up to 85 for light pot, but colony still grain which can on definitely comes off in the, in, in the low 90s, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, should we try the, the last sample just to contrast? Yeah, now, one thing I have to say, David, about all the... There's a common thread that runs through all the new makes that I've had from uh, Radom and Estate, and that is that there is a fruitiness there through all... Uh, is that something uh, you have been by design, or just something that happened? I suppose what we, you know, as I, as I said on Sunday, yeah. we're all about flavour and we believe flavour starts with the mash bill and it starts with the brewing fermentation process. Well, 
I believe that we believe as a team here that by going out to those sort of extended fermentation periods of 140 to 160 hours, when we start to get that secondary fermentation, the autolysis of the yeast, that all breaks down. We see that richer depth of flavor come across. And because we're, we're double distilling, with, um, we believe we get a much richer, fruity, fruitier, and, and in many, and I suppose in many ways, a more mature new make. Yeah. Than yeah. That, what we would get if we were maybe going with the fermentation of the sort of the standard 60 to 70 hours. You know, and um, part of it is by design, part of it's by luck, because it's, um, we always believe in life, it's better to be lucky than good. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we just think it delivers for us. And I think with good, good quality copper that we have on our sales, um, you know, we think it produces a fantastic product. You know, yeah. and, um, you're, out in, you're out in the lovely countryside out there as well, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure has a significant role in all of it as well. Yeah, well, I think our water is, is very, very mineral rich, um, which gives, it gives us other issues. But yeah, it, it actually helps with the brewing side. You know, um, yeah. we, we, we are just so lucky where we are, you know, we'd be the first people to say that. Um, but the yeah. highest are now that we can get people back on site. You know, we would argue that there's no more, more beautiful on a sunny day than um, the visit is still very done here at Redemon. But uh, yeah. it, it's there's just so many. Have you ever been to Hawaii, David? Out of curiosity. What? I'm sorry. You know, I'm saying, have you ever been to Hawaii? No, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, 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 wow. You know, there's just features. So this next sample, I think, nice half of number three. It's You'll have to wait and see. That's um, <laughs> the bottle number three with the white label, guys. Yeah. So this is actually a sample of our new make malt spirit, but it's our new make malt with crystal malt. So this is a mash bill that we've been running for about um, five years now. And um, it was our first experiments with deviating away from just... Non-peated malted whiskey can only be made from dis- from distilling malt or plain malted barley. Um, and if I'm honest, we probably think about brewing and um, fermentation more like brewers than we do distillers because we're looking for flavor and ester formation. So yeah. for me, malt, I'm sorry, the crystal malt in this mash bill um, just makes such a difference. When we brew it, it's so much richer in color. It's, it's really, really dark. I get a, a certain banoffee note that we yeah. when we actually distill it, especially as we go from our, our heads to our hearts. But it's really quite rich and fresh. There's lots of fruit in there. It's really fruity. Very, very fruity. And very viscous as well. I had to eat a shit, and I can say this is a totally different side of my life. Um, I had to eat a shit. You're not, um, not you're not. Banoffee. Hey, please me. I mean, you get the bad ones, so there's that weird, like, it smells like a crisp as much as it smells like the banana itself. And in the best of all possible ways, as a compliment, this smells like that, where you're getting that crust as well as the banoffee. You know, that yeah, weird... There's a real normalized sweetness there, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the nose as well. Yeah. You know, the sweetness is really there up front. It's, 
it quite a rich, very, very oily, mouth coating. Just a it's very oily, very oily. And then just uh, sort of that light malt spice towards the end of the palate. I haven't tried it yet. There's so much going on in the nose there. I'm trying to pinpoint uh, But, I mean, David, you, you've done a lot of experimentation. You do a lot of things very differently. And, you know, as you said, you did this five or six years ago. You kept really quiet about all this experimentation. It's only, I suppose, in the last couple of months that we're really finding out what you've been tinkering with up there. And, and here was me thinking you were, you know, laying down standard single malt. And but you actually have been tinkering a lot. Yeah, well, it's weird. David's a gem, you know. It's, it's amazing. It's like quite open and stereotype. You know, you had to come up and find this motherfucker. Um, yeah. You know, he, uh, he was making brains up for years. And, and again, like, I, I've, I've loved the artistic society. I've loved people up to talk to David. And, you know, he tells himself short, I mean, it's some stuff. You know, yeah. and I know this is a, a fun project for you to, for the magazine, but honestly, anyone who hasn't been near to the ground paying very, very, very close attention, now is the time to pay attention because Redamon of the like 30 new distilleries in Ireland, I would easily put in the, ha- in the top five. You know, you guys are doing fantastic stuff. Yeah. It's fun, it's upbeat. The pot, though, I know we're talking about Colin Stout. Your, your double is gorgeous. That weird, like, like peach fudge stuff comes off. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. And I think as you mature, people will start to know. There's, again, that, that weird hiccup that happens before you exist. And there's a lot of people in Ireland pushing forward this like, it hasn't been tasted and they've got effective branding and they've got effective marketing. And the, the, the product, the spirit doesn't, doesn't really hold its faith. And what I was trying to do for the past three years was just talk to people about their dislike. And there's a few of them and they're, they're now coming out. And a lot of them are from County Down. And yeah. you say a lot of them, I mean three of them and you're as, as, as much at the front as any of them is, is a kind way of putting it. You know, you're doing some... You've been very patient, actually. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. you haven't released a whiskey before you believe it's ready. So, when can we expect, as I think Connor is alluding to here, how long do we have to wait for this one to be out? Uh, uh, well, I'm hoping we're going to do our first release in August. We will be doing our first release in quarter four this year. Okay. Exact time is going to depend on supply chain and all that good stuff. But yeah, it, it's, it's going to be this year. And uh, we haven't, we're in the fortunate position where we don't have to decide it, or be limited to it. It's going to be a pot or it's going to be a malt whiskey. Um, we still haven't decided what we're going to go with. Um, but that's, you know what, that's, that's just part of the, the romance now with it. We've done the science. We've, you know, we're, we're three warehouses full of whiskey. We've, um, Another warehouse that we're building at the moment. And yeah. they're, they're good problems, but um, we are quiet and reserved. But I suppose we don't, you know, we don't know how good it is. We believe in what we do, but we don't know how good it is compared to what other people is. So, what yeah. I said to you and Banana saying is it gives us a lot of encouragement. So, so thanks, guys. You know, and um, 
we just want to share what we're doing with everyone now. And this is, this is part of the fun of doing this project. Yeah, there's not many that would take the risk to do, or some, not many that would take the risk and the time and the, and the effort to... Brain risk, to yeah. Like this, you know? So I'm getting thrilled as well with... I, I'm delighted, and it's, and it's been a lot of fun, you know, and it is his strength to look back, and it's how we draw from the well of the past, again, a lot of our strength, and there's possible whiskey is, is drawn up at, at high ABV consumptions, you know, high purity levels. Yeah. Again, we're doing the fall part of the pieces, as came up before, we had we to draw from the tails of the past, which like 78, you know, in purple distillation. And really up to 85 with, 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 a, with a mixed mash Irish poxy distillation when you're looking at the columns and stuff, it tends to be out 9 to 94, you know. And to, to see what this would be in a poxy distillation, let alone a low ABD high continent retention column distillation, it, it is such a no man's land of what Irish whiskey can be, what Irish grain whiskey can be, what the generic category can be, you know, with this. And for all that, what I'm most excited about being the like little hostile fanboy that I am is to get hostile and how fun it is. You know, yeah. we're not drinking tonight, you know, and, and, and you've done so much so quietly. I have, it, it's, it's difficult to express how much stuff is happening. You know, Belfast, historically, Dublin was the, you know, Heart and soul of Hotsville and Belfast was, was the heart and soul of grain. And yet, County Down has embraced Hotsville so heavily. Just, just all the sand is in the north. You know, not yeah. all the sand, but a lot of the sand is in the north. It's so thing to see. There's a question in there from Robert. Uh, I think it's a valid question. You're from Dublin. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. From a strip. Well, from Dublin, yes. <laughs> so he's asking, do you think the, the single grain category can be, uh, Narrow down and be more specific, like they do in America, where they. Now, are, are then are we just going to confuse people too much? Or does it matter? Our, our single grain category, our, 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 our single grain category is already much much narrower than Scotland. Despite the fact that when people say single grain in Ireland and Scotland, they largely mean the same thing, you know, tacitly, which is. High concentrate, high ABV, low continental retention, distillate, uh, largely used blending. That's the, the tacit understanding for most consumers, for most people, but it's not legislatively the difference between ours and Scotch grain whiskey. Um, I don't know how well our grain whiskey is served by being even narrower. Um, I think there's a wonderful space, and I know, like, I'm change of tune, I used to rail about the possible GI, whether it was, when it was wrong, and, and now it's to the credit of the industry being changed. Um, I don't know how well served we are to broaden the category of grain whiskey, because at a certain point it just becomes generic whiskey, yeah. which is what it is in Scotland, legally. Legally in Scotland, anything that's not within the malt grain, molten blend formula is grain nevertheless. And in Ireland, because we have this rich mash build tradition, we have had to accommodate the existence of our pasta as a separate thing. We have this idea of grain whiskey as the, and it, it's all, what, 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 what the hell is grain whiskey? We all know grain. You know, 
But if we're going to have categories, at least keep them the way they are. But I think there is a space for grain whiskey to be fun, to be strength. And if I saw it consumed as a generic category, I wouldn't, you know, try too many fears. But as long as there's space for for both of them to be fun or for one of them to be fun, I don't care. You know, there's a lot of space outside. And and you look at, 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 again, the history of Irish grain distillation, largely ground and Belfast shows all this bizarre stuff that was coming from abroad anyways. You know, yeah. it's a hint of hard economics. Um, so I, I understand the provisions around protecting unique hot still Irish mash bills, the weird like malt and raw barley, oat and other showmanship in high continent settings in a pot still. I, 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 I totally get that coming from the historian's background. And, and from a from just a level background, but I think there's there's a lot of space for grain, and I think it is a tragedy, an absolute <laughs> mind-boggling tragedy that there is to this day not a not a whiskey distillery in Belfast, and I would love. And there will be. There will be. Yes. I mean, Belfast is very well, we're, we're only down the road from Belfast, so don't worry. Oh, great. Okay, Redman, I'll I'll take that. <laughs> Hotbed between yourselves and Eckenville and Killowen, you've become the strong nucleus. First of all, of Irish Potsdell, like you're doing double to fill Potsdell, Eckenville doing double to fill Potsdell, Brennan's doing Peter Potsdell. There's all this odd stuff happening up in this space. And and, and it, it was quite, well, Brennan's a loud enough guy at, at the best times. Um, but, um, and, and, Darlis. Only, only slightly less so, but you guys were so quiet for so long, and the stuff yeah. you do so fun. You know, I, I, I feel, I feel embarrassed as a, as a job coming up to Belfast to, uh, to talk about Pottsville because it would be, the, the genius seems to be radiating. And, and we've got fun, you know, we've got feeling doing fun Pottsville, you know, but there, there's a lot, and, and PS Lions are doing their bit, you know, and, and, and mucking about, but it's, it is, it is undeniable how, how a city and an area that was famous for grain was, what we're drinking now, became so cool for Posto, and has the opportunity to become so cool for grain as well. You know, but, well, I mean, I think these grains, and I've tried, you know, a good few grains, and for me as a new make grain, I mean, this has far more layers in it, far more complexity, far more flavor than anything I've tried. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm assuming you're going to continue pursuing different types of mash bills outside of the normal, uh, David. Yeah, well, I've already alluded to the, um, I'm a big fan of the broad house that is the generic Irish whiskey classification. Good man. You know, and I think the broader the house, the less the rise there are, the less fights, and the more we can all come together. So, you know, like we've worked hard, and you know, we've some really, really, really good stuff that we haven't spoken about. Yeah. Um, if you think I was secretive about eight guys, um, you know, that's something else that I'm even more, more secretive about. Um, I've been I for years trying to get your blood popped let alone like the stuff you were quote unquote public about, let alone the secret projects. You know, <laughs> no, they're outstanding. They really, I mean, it's all it's all very well doing something different, but something different that actually tastes 
phenomenal and is interesting as well. It, it's a different, yeah. it's a different thing. I mean, I could make something very complex as well, but I wouldn't give it to my dog. Actually, I don't have a dog, but if I had a dog, I wouldn't give it to my dog. Animal. Yeah. So look, guys, can I just say thanks to Fanon for sharing the Kongswater Master as part of his research because, um, as much as if I'd known I could get my hands on it, I wouldn't have known where to live. So Fanon, thanks because you're the, you're the catalyst for allowing us to do this experiment. So thank you from Fiona and I and the team here at Arthur Devon. Pump chat stuff. The research is what counts. What you guys do that, you know, matters. Yeah. Um, it is important. I mean, that's why, uh, you know, and Fiona will be modest in this, but I mean, that's why his research is so important. And, and not only that, the research is, he's been so generous with sharing, you know, those recipes with people that would have, I have no doubt in my mind, these recipes would have been lost, you know. Or one or two that might have been found somewhere, but you know, uh, and well, we're honoured that you know that you choose to share those in our Seven Sip series, uh, and you know, and the talks. Have like, you asked all the other girls to dance yet, or am I the last? <laughs> no, you're the last in the queue. You're the last in the queue. We're going to cut you off in a minute. <laughs> Look, guys, like, you know, the one thing I'd say is, you know. There's no point having history if you don't share it and you don't pass it on. Yeah. So, um, it's yeah. fun. And, and as you said, put it in birds and play around with it, you know. And and Jack's there. So for those who don't know, there was a, the, the hyper-formal Pottsville event earlier, so a large part of the PhD is about the resuscitation of our Pottsville masters and their ABGs and their, you know, cut points and so forth. And... Uh, it was it, it, it wasn't deployed by me because I was a fucking bastard case. I was I was <laughs> worried. It was Jack and Michael Fogarty and Brian Green who, who really made that happen. You know, they yeah. they were the ones actually while I was weeping to my shirts wondering if we had enough fucking people and blah blah blah. And Dave, you were a panelist on that, the first the first the best that I did that. Yeah. Day. Day. Really well done, guys. Well, yes, you're also on the tasting committee. Uh, sorry, on the technical committee for the Irish Whiskey Association, aren't you? Yep. And um, yeah, it's uh, so. Uh, now we can interrogate you. Now that we have you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like you know, the most important thing is that um, there's a feeling that there was going to be a big bump fight about um, amending the GI, the, the technical file, and all that stuff. But actually. To be fair, those that have been involved have actually came together and um, the general consensus has all been positive. There's not been any rise or any petty birds or handbags at dawn. And, um, you know, I think, think Fanon's um, research was referenced more by more than one um, company and um, provider. And I think, you know what, Stephen, you know what, this is going to be revisioned to the technical file. It will revise again. But this is the first step, I think, to, um, you know, opening the church to everyone. And, um, I think it's going to be, it's good. The industry will be better for it. Hopefully people can see the big picture is the change is good and they don't get, people don't get lost in the detail of not matter. The most important thing is getting the 5% cereal, other cereals to 30%. Yeah. That is, not, that's, that's the golden metal for it all, you know, yeah. and people shouldn't lose sight of us. And I mean, I've got, not the brag. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, Michael called me a young man there. I think he's got the honor Irish whiskey industries. Bloody tasting notes, you know, from Dave, Garb, 
You had <laughs> a tremendous amount of how would you put it? Cough on mixed with genuine affection, mixed with genuine curiosity. There was a lot of love towards the history side that manifested itself. So I'm I'm just fresh off the train from bloody Dublin because we had the cleanup crew from the night before. Winner Jack and, and Brian and, and Nick were, were all lending hands. There is that space, there is that understanding in Irish whiskey that there was this deep wellspring of masculine history. And of course, like the, the thesis proper, you know, is about, as, as Dave would remember, it's quite critical, you know, you're giving yourself a certain strength and you hold rank zero to three from not present to extremely present. And you, you try and take objective traits and make them as, uh, sorry, subjective traits and make them as objective as possible. Yeah. And there was that, again, a breathing in what do we do with this, all this data? What do we do when we have, you know, all these, all these master blenders and, and young perks and, and all this stuff in one place? And what do we, and all we can do is give it back to you guys and, and, and see what you do with it. Full stop. And that's what these, have been about in a less formal capacity is play with the past, take the past, but don't inertly replicate it. Just kind of do what you want with it. You know, you're the present. Take the past and rejigger it into a way that draws. I think David really, I mean, David really exemplified is taking that history and creating something really exciting, really innovative, and going forward with it. And, and to be how can you not be super excited about, you know, coming back in three or four years and seeing what's going to be out there when you have examples like this of people willing to take the risk and actually, you know, delve into the history, look, take it forward, adopt it like you have, David, adopting, for example, the Conswater, making it relevant to today and doing it in an elegant and non-bashful manner as well, if you, you don't mind me saying yeah, so. Uh, people say, look, you know, a lot of our producers historically, in the latter half of the 20th century, when they were compelled to make grain whiskey, made grain whiskey using pot fill or malt mashables, or even Bush was not using malt mashables, but we used the barley mashables. And what we had as, as, as not sip number two, but sample number two, and sample, sample number one, was um, a backwards version of that, where you take a grain whiskey mask in the past and say, well, what, what would happen to that to a positive? That's, that's where the generic Irish whiskey category could shine. And yeah. Actually, is, is a love letter back towards the history of calling distilled grain whiskey on, you know, and, and what you could do with that treated literally. And then you, you look back at these, and I'll put it this way. You know, the second one was just preferable to the first. You know, I was out of love. You would have heard that, you know, in a million years, coming out of Pion's mouth to say that grain. Fine, and I know I'm. You know, when I'm usually on this bloody show, it's 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 a whack lyrical about you know yeah. barley and maybe oats and blah blah blah, high consumer retention, you know, palsy cuts and blah blah blah. Yeah, that first one was or that that. that. <laughs> So I think that journey got to you, if you're on that train trip. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's amazing. But, you, you couldn't change your weather just as you crossed the Dundalk, Dundalk on your, uh, you know, your pace yeah. about 10 degrees. 
Look, uh, I, I don't, I, when people start congratulating and say, great show, uh, I'm starting to feel that they're, they're getting tired and they want to wind down. I, I could be here all night. Uh, uh, but I, I'm happy to keep going. I'm more than happy to keep going. But uh, yeah. And of course, I didn't mean to edit you out, you know, when we, we talked about the formal tasting. For anyone who doesn't know, serve your phone, bankrolls of the glassware. No. No. Thanks to COVID, I've like used single, single use glassware. Serve your phone, 650 fucking computers. And so. So we'll be a few computers away over the next while. Yeah. Uh, so I have to actually thank Urban Bar as well for providing those. Uh, and I think they they delivered on time and the quantity we want so big hats off to them as well fairness. and Fiona uh, thank you for washing the label off uh, oh yeah Brian. yeah but uh, look um, I've been up to I've been up to your state you are the featured distillery in our next issue so we have some beautiful photography with some lovely interviews and some background about the distillery uh, I mean the there's a distillery and there's the estate, you know, and you could do far worse than going for either reason, you know, and both together, it's just, it's a perfect blend, you know, from the two, but, it, you know, um, a great approach, and I think, uh, I think people, you know, if you get a chance to be passing by or anywhere near it, it's a definite stop in to have a look around, and I'm sure you'll make them welcome and give them gin or whiskey. And chocolates. Yeah, certainly, certainly gin, chocolates, and um, hopefully in the near future some whiskey as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, if there's anything you want to, or um, David, you want anything you want to close on? Thank you. Congrats, sir, on 50 episodes. I've enjoyed them all. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, you have listened to a few of them. And um, I, look, I look forward to being able to welcome everyone. Um, back to study again, you know, it's, um, it's been a strange 18 months for everyone. Um, but, but we, um, you know, we are open again and, um, we look forward to seeing people and, um, thank you everyone for the support and I hope everyone's enjoyed that. And, um, I'm going to be rude, but I'm going to enjoy the last of my, um, single pot still sample from Saturday or from Sunday. So, Slancha? Yeah, I have enjoyed any of my bloody Redemon Belfast whiskey samples. When we're off camera, I'm going to be drinking this stuff with you. So, you know, I reckon you're going to sample five. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, 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 to, to all our listeners, uh, thank you all for joining. I, I can't... I can't thank you enough for the support we've got over the last 50 episodes. You know, when we started it off, it was a, a kind of a distraction to try and forget about what all the misery around COVID and also kind of, the truth be told, to fill in the gap while we found it difficult to get the next issues out. And uh, you've all been very supportive. And our guests have been fantastic. I can't thank our guests enough to be able to speak to the people that are influencing and and their stamp on Irish whiskey, whether it's producers, tourism, the designers, you know, the people that write about the history. It's like it's a dream come true for me to be able to speak to these people and to share it is, makes it even more special. 
And I've been blessed to have made some fantastic friends while being able to do this. And, you know, um, I'm grateful for them and grateful to be able to, to do this. So thank you very much uh, for joining us and sharing in the celebration. We hope that we continue for another 50. And uh, we won't take anything for granted, but thank you. And look forward to catching you next week and discussing something interesting as well. So look out for yourselves. If you have enjoyed it, please do try and support the, the YouTube channel by subscribing to that. And if you really like it and you want to find out more about Fionnan's work, Seven Sips in the next issue, which I know he's working on now. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, find out more about him on estate in the next issue, please uh, please do uh, subscribe. So uh, take care of yourselves. Thank you all very much. And congratulations to Belfast Whiskey Week. You know, uh, in, in this climate, to be able to put off this stature of an event is beyond uh, commendable. It's unbelievable. So well done. And I, I know that we're already kind of halfway through Belfast Whiskey Week, so I may pop up on Saturday myself to Belfast and uh, end up where you are, if you know, somewhere, somewhere there. So well done to Paul and all the team and for the team that helped us share it on, the, on their platform. So enough waffle. Speak to you next week. Slaunch, everybody, and best of luck in the future. Slaunch. Yes, my